And welcome, Limestone Nation, to the second episode of the Breaking the Rock podcast. I am Michael Sanders, coordinator of digital and social media and pool operator here at Limestone University, alongside coordinator of media relations, Jordan Perry. Happy to bring you another wonderful episode. You know, we talked about it off the off the air last time, that I feel weird doing a podcast and not really knowing how to say, like, you know, I can't say good afternoon, I can't say good evening, I can't say good morning. It's just sitting there like, how do you start this? How do you get going? It's good day. Just leave it at that. Because <laughs> I, I I don't know when you're going to listen to this. I'm I'm not sure. So I, I always go with the welcome limestone nation. That's what that's going to be my tag on the on the beginning of it. So we're just we're just going to keep rolling with that. And if it changes, maybe it changes. I I don't know. But I, I won't say good evening, good afternoon, or good morning to well, you. Well, that's the beauty of it with the podcast series. You can listen to it anywhere, anytime. Exactly. And we we're now available on uh, golimestonesaints.com backslash podcast. We're on Spotify right now as well, and we're on iTunes as well. So make sure that you're you're subscribing and, and giving those uh, those ratings on those platforms and uh, boosting us up a little bit. But again, second episode, we've got a great one for you for sure. Um, you know, we started real well with Reagan last last episode, and I think we've got a, another special special person on this one. Yeah, we talked about how we want to provide the platform for our student athletes to share their stories. Um, as unique as they are, and I think that we have a good one here today. It is quite the story you're going to want to tune into. Absolutely. So bringing him in now, this is the 2020 Conference Carolinas Comeback Player of the Year, number 14 on the men's volleyball team, Jarrett Malone. Jarrett, how are you doing today? Doing good. Yeah, doing good. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. Can't complain. So, you know, we, we, we're talking about the stories. We're talking about who you are as a student athlete. And you, you definitely have an interesting story, for sure. Um, we kind of talked in the pre-show before we started recording. You're more or less a walking miracle, but we'll get to that momentarily. <laughs> First off, let's just start with a little background of you. Where are you from? What got you into volleyball? And, uh, you know, just kind of take it from there. Yeah, so um, I'm from Los Angeles, California. Um, what got me into volleyball was my mom just wouldn't let me play football my freshman year of high school. So I was like, oh, no football, man. Got to find something else. Saw some dudes playing. My friend's older brother, actually. I went to one of his volleyball tournaments. Saw him just smashing balls. I was like, wow, this looks super fun and super cool. Gave it a shot, and boom, here I am. It helps that you're 6'5", I think that is, um, a natural volleyball skill to have. Skill. Yeah, mm-hmm. skill, skill at six five. Yeah, I'm five foot ten, and I can't even get over the net when I jump. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's why I was a swimmer for all my life. Um, so growing up through high school and everything, uh, you played volleyball throughout high school, throughout club, everything like that. Just kind of take us through some moments, kind of in your club and high school experiences that uh, really stand out to you. Yeah. So first starting out, I started out in playing 15s when I was about 15 years old, and uh, I was I was awful back then. I really just didn't know what I was doing on the court. They threw me at middle just because that's like the easiest position to learn. All you do is just hit and block pretty much. So. I was just doing that at about 15. Then I started um, getting better and better, progressing. And by my junior year of high school, I was really starting to hit my stride in the middle and really starting to pound balls and getting blocks. And um, I ended up helping my high school team to a state championship, actually, my junior year. And then um, following that senior year, we won uh, league championships again. And um, then we ended up falling in the state playoffs. But, yeah, it's been a pretty incredible journey. Absolutely. You know, we were talking a little bit beforehand as well. Uh, you know, we were – we were messing around on the Google machine, which is always a great fun time, and uh, and Jordan found some uh, some interesting stuff about you that that was happening during high school as well. Jordan, what what'd you find over there? Looks like you have a little bit of a modeling career in your past. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, it actually all start. Funny story, actually. It all started. Um, I was at uh, the Huntington Beach uh, surfing competition, the U.S. Open, 
And um, I was just standing in line to get food with my friends, and we were just hanging out. And some lady just taps me on the back of my shoulder. I turned around. I thought she was going to ask me for directions or something. And she was just like, have you ever modeled? And then I was like, what? And she's like, have you ever modeled, blah, blah, blah. Started asking me all this stuff, asked for my information, handed me her agency card. And then, boom, next thing you know, I was at her agency the next week signing contracts. And, yeah, it was weird, weird stuff. Hey, you know, I mean, I, I can't say I ever modeled. I don't. I have a face for radio is what I like to call it. Um, a, a voice for it maybe too, but definitely a face for it um, for sure. So very interesting, yeah, modeling career. Jordan, did you ever get any involved in, in a little modeling? I know you were out on the West Coast for college, so. Unfortunately, I was never approached. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but you did get some camera time, you know. You've, you've been on camera on some, on some big occasions like Super Bowls and stuff like that now, haven't you? I had some camera time back when uh, Super Bowl 49, um, Tom Brady after the Super Bowl, escorting him to his trophy presentation. Um, it was, as a Patriots fan from Vermont, it was a lucky day, I like to say. Yeah, I, I can't say I've ever been on national TV at all, ever. So, <laughs> so Jarrett, now we're moving in kind of a little into your college career. Um, we, we obviously, we, we want to get into your, your walking miracle story here shortly. But first off, let's talk a little bit about what brought you to Limestone. Obviously, coming from Los Angeles, Gaffney's a little ways away. It's obviously on the opposite side of the country. Um, you know, you, you had an interesting start once you got here, too, obviously, with a coaching change almost immediately. Um, but kind of take us through the process of what got you here to Limestone. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm all about seeing new things and experiencing new things and exploring. So um, I kind of wanted to branch out of California and just see what the East Coast had to offer. And I was lucky enough to find a school all the way across the country that was willing to offer me money to play a sport. And, uh, yeah, it worked out perfectly. And also Squares, he was, uh, he was fantastic. On my visit, just that bond I created with Squares really brought me to this school as well. Yeah, and that's head coach of the women's team now, Brandon Squares, who was formerly head coach of both squads uh, before Steve Benson took over the men's program. You said I think that was about two weeks into you getting here. Yeah. So that, that yeah. was an interesting transition right away. Yeah, very unexpected. But um, my bond with Benson just right off the bat picked up. It was just a super positive, super welcoming guy. And, yeah, it's been no problem. He's kept me here for sure. So definitely a good first year of action here at Limestone. Jordan, you've got some of those numbers on him for his first year. Absolutely. So you come in. You play in 26 out of the 28 matches. So right away you're making, you know, a huge, huge impact in your freshman year. Um, and so then you finish the year. You guys have a good year. Um, you go to the summer and something happens. Yeah, yeah and, this, and this, this is really what we brought you on for. Yeah. Because this is a story that realistically I think has, has been heard by some people and I think has been misconstrued by some people as well. Mm, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit before we got on air as well on, on what, the, what actually happened to make sure that we knew exactly what happened um, because even we were a little misconstrued just making sure. I, you know, I was here during that, and uh, I remember hearing the story, but over time I kind of lost it in my head, and I wanted to make sure I got it right. So summer of 2018, take us through a little bit about what happened. Yes, sir. So, yeah, summer 2018. It was uh, July 19th, 2018, to be exact. And, um, yeah, that day it was just typical morning. Um, just, yeah, I woke up, hanging out with my cats, you know, hanging out with my parents, eating breakfast. Typical day. And then um, my two friends invited me to go to the gym. And, um, yeah, we decided to go to the gym. And the gym is on top of uh, this three-story parking structure. And, um, yeah, I guess I was walking a little too close to the edge. And uh, I had lost my balance, tripped. And um, my weight carried me over the top of the railing. I fell uh, 32 feet onto concrete. 
And uh, I ended up waking up in the hospital a week later, being told that like, I fell off a building, I had all these injuries, had to go into surgeries and all this stuff. And it was just really overwhelming, to be honest with you. And yeah, um, to clarify, actually, the, that whole day is honestly wiped from my brain. So I literally have no memory of that day. I just went to sleep, woke up in the hospital a week later and was told um, I've been in a coma, I have all these injuries and I fell off a building. That, yeah, I got that story from my uh, two friends I was with that day, so. Yeah, and, you know, in a, in a traumatic experience like that, if kind of forgetting and blanking out the day really isn't all that uncommon. Um, but, we, you know, we've, we've mentioned the walking miracle thing. What was one of the first things that the doctors kind of said to you when you were waking up? They were just <laughs> it's, they were just basically saying what you said. It's, it's a miracle that you're even here. It's a miracle that you're even opening your eyes. It's a miracle that you're even talking and walking and doing, or not even walking, but, yeah, just talking and opening your eyes and just being here. Because, I mean, the guy in the room across from me, he fell, I think, it was just off his roof, and he ended up being a quadriplegic, so only can move his eyeballs. And it's just, it's just insane to show you the difference. So you fell from a three-story parking garage. You were lucky to be alive. Obviously, a volleyball career, that's probably you know, not in your future, right? That's right. what they told you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%, right off the bat. That was one of my first questions was, will I ever be able to play sports again? And every single time was it just they just give me just hopeless answers. It was just it doesn't it doesn't look good. It does not look good. And yeah, every single time for for months on end. So the full extent of your injuries: two broken wrists, broken pelvis, and what else am I forgetting here? Yeah, so it was a uh, two shattered wrists, a shattered pelvis. I uh, shattered my eye socket on my right side, two broken vertebrae, and uh, dislocated both my shoulders. Yeah. Um, normally when you hear about injuries like that, you're not talking to that person anymore. Um, so again, um, we're, we're really happy that you're still here with us. Um, and, and again, it's amazing that you are, um, Jordan kind of touched on it a little bit that, uh, you, you were kind of told volleyball wasn't going to be an option. Um, and obviously to get back to where you were and where you are now, uh, a pretty large rehab process is going to have to happen. And, and you really kind of dug down into that. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, every time the doctors would tell me you're never going to be able to play again, all this stuff, it really just sent me in a really dark place. And my mom would always be there. I had a really great support system around me and they'd always be there reassuring me, you'll be able to play again. I know you, you'll be able to play again. You'll be able to play again. You just have to work hard, work hard. And so them instilling that positivity in me is what really motivated me to get into rehab and just not listen to what the doctors say because the doctors don't know who I am. They may know the injuries, but they don't know who I am as a person. And I know that I can overcome pretty much anything I put my mind to as long as I approach it with the right mindset. And that's what dro drove me to get where I am today. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a big message to go out to anybody who, who's experienced an injury. Um, you know, I've had some soldier injuries in my past. And I, th I think that's one of those big things is, you know, your, your body is resilient. It definitely is. But part of that resiliency definitely comes from upstairs in that mind. Mm -hmm. um, and you were talking a little bit before, before we started recording as well is, um, you know, you, you weren't assured volleyball. You weren't assured walking even. You weren't assured any really quality of life. Um, so what, what exactly was driving you at that point to get, to get back to where you are now? At that point in time, it was driving me. Man, that's a that's a very tough question, but um, man, it was honestly just the people around me, just that support system. I just wanted to make them proud, just knowing what they were doing for me and how they were just there for me every step of the way, just instilling positivity in me, making me believe in myself. When I off, because oftentimes when the doctors would tell me I would never play again, I'd just be like, well, that's it, can't play. But them just being persistent and telling me like, no, don't listen to them, like they don't know you and all that stuff, just really helped me. 
really, really helped me a lot. Yeah, and, you know, coming back to a support system, you know, you, you obviously missed a good bit of the, the 2019 season. Yeah, um, for shirt. sure with your with your injury um, for the red shirt and and that support system kind of when you came back to limestone was still here for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, without a doubt for sure. One, I'd like to give a shout out to Brianne Jones for sure. She's been there with me for every step of the way since day one for sure. She was that like my therapist in a way. Not even yeah, like honestly, she was there for me um, to be that outlet whenever I was feeling down about not being able to practice, not being able to play, having to just watch an entire season go by. She would always be there for me and just reassure me that everything was going to be all right and I'll be th get through it. Yeah, Brianne's definitely a, a real good person. I actually know her personally from swimming here at Limestone. Um, but so you finished through all the rehab, obviously a really tough year, um, pushing through it, getting through watching your teammates play. Mm -hmm. You know, you were sitting on the sidelines. We saw you throughout the entire time. Um, but obviously you came back and, and you did some amazing things. Yeah, and so let's go back. Let's take a step back. I can't imagine how difficult that rehab process might have been. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the process of it, how it helps you grow, what you learn from it as a person, um, like something you can positive take out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was extremely difficult at first because, I mean, you got to start small. And I'm a very, very impatient person. So to going from, like, oh, you can walk again, but you can only walk, like, a certain amount of steps or a certain amount of time and then have to sit down, it was just – not clicking in my head. I wanted to just be recovered just like that, but it doesn't happen overnight. So I had to just really commit to just trusting the process and really just buying into that saying. Cause oftentimes you just hear that saying, but it really just sunk in now. Like that I would have to just, like it's gonna be a process and I just gotta trust this process and ride the wave and just be as positive as I can. Yeah, and you definitely, going through rehab is, is obviously a tough thing. You know, you, you start with such small minute movements, you know, mm -hmm. whether you're yeah, just flexing, tedious, your, tedious flexing your hand or something. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very simple, very easy. You look back at now, you're like, oh, I can do this all day. Yeah. But you, you weren't able to take that for granted at that point. That mm -hmm. was something that you were like, I can flex my wrist right now. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, literally. I mean, the first time I uh, was able to, like, get on my feet, it actually, like, brought me to tears because I, I really – it had been probably six months since I was able to stand. And, it, yeah, it, it really moved me. It was, it was really tough. And, yeah, just getting back on my feet was motivating enough to just keep on going and just not ever want to get back in that place again where I was. And so not only not being able to stand, but you get cast on both wrists. Yeah, both wrists, yeah, up to my elbows, yeah. Yeah, it was tough to do online courses because I had to do a public speaking class. And my public speaking was my mom filming me, and I would just be laying in my bed, and I'd be like, all right, this is how you get in your wheelchair today. And, yeah, that would be my public speaking presentations. It was it was tough, but I still passed that class. So hey, nothing better than personal experience when you're when you're trying to teach somebody. Yeah. So moving moving past it a little bit now, um, obviously that's a big part of your life. But another big part of your life is volleyball and what you do on the court. And when you came back, you you made an immediate impact again. Jordan, you got some of those numbers for when he came back as well. Yeah. So it was 19 months, roughly 19 months that you were out. Um, I know you try to come back and maybe you hurt your ankle yeah, once more so bad ankle sprain, yeah. delayed two, yeah. two days before opening game after this whole process of red shirting and then this is going to be the comeback season two days before opening game during blocking warm-ups i came down tweaked my ankle wrong swells up like a balloon and boom i'm out for a couple more weeks the discouragement level of that must have been oh man it was like a I gut punch imagine. it was like i was punched in the stomach but i at that point i was like an ankle i've fallen off a building i was like an ankle sprain is nothing to me so you finally make your comeback on February 22nd. It's a game at Lee's McRae. Um, you, 
play two sets, I think, and then the next game you get the start. It's against King in the conference, and you come out, you have eight kills and five blocks, and like your first full match since then, you guys sweep King 3-0. It was a big win for the team. Mm -hmm. How did that feel? It, it was exhilarating. I mean, like, I hadn't beaten King since I've been here. I've j literally just been swept by King 3-0 every single year. Like, they've dominated. They've even won the conference since I've been here. And, yeah, getting that win was just so sweet. And I really didn't expect to play that good. I was terrified. When Coach read my number off on the starting laps, I didn't even expect to start. My, uh, my heart just started beating real fast, and I got so many butterflies. I was terrified. But, yeah, I just went out there and just played my game, had fun, and boom, positive result. And you went on to go start, I believe, the remaining games. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it was a shortened season yeah, uh, due yeah. to the COVID-19. But you started and you played in every game after that. You guys won all but one of those games. Um, I like Tell us, going through the season, did you have to learn, relearn like the process? Or was the competitive nature still in you? Yeah, honestly, in the beginning, it was definitely an adjustment period. Because, yeah, it was, it was for sure an adjustment period getting back out there. Um, just really wasn't used to the speed of the game. I was a little rusty getting d out to the pin and everything. I was just a little slow, a little step behind everybody. But just playing more and more and getting that. My competitive nature, like you said, it, it really just never left me. So that definitely helped me get really back into it quickly. Yeah, I think a, a little bit of that goes back to your mindset during that rehab. I mean, again, going going from zero to, to back to a, a college athlete is just it's an amazing step. And, and again, we're we're just so happy that you're here, man. I tell you, it's, uh, you know, when we heard, I remember back when we heard that, yeah, we had a volleyball player fall off a roof. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so let's get this tweet ready and we'll <laughs> just, but then we're like, no, he's fine. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I mean, I hate to be a little morbid about that, but again, that's kind of what I was getting mm -hmm. from it um, when we originally found out. So again, just kudos to you to getting back to where you are. Um, you know, a, a lot of part about this podcast is, is getting to know the person off the court, though. You know, we've talked a little bit about your on-the-court performances. We've talked a little bit about your your accident and, and the things that have happened to get you there. But let's let's talk a little bit about more about Jarrett, the person. Um, so first off, let's just kind of go over what, what, what are you studying here in college? What are you studying? Uh, right now, I'm, I'm majoring in uh, business management and marketing and minoring in coaching. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Now, what what kind of aspirations do you have with with that degree? Honestly, I mean, if I'm thinking about getting into business, it'd just be maybe in the marketing field, seeing seeing what I like. But as of right now, like I don't really know where I want to be. Like I'm not for certain where I want to do in the future. I just know like in this accident has really inspired me. I just know I want to travel the world and just gain as much perspective as I possibly can and gain as much knowledge about as many different things as I can. And because, I mean, like, this accident gave me that perspective of seeing, like, what it's like to be in a wheelchair, seeing what it's like to be at pretty much, like, rock bottom. Like, I wasn't able to, like, move out of my bed for months at a time. And, yeah, I just really would love to gain perspective. I think that's the coolest thing. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of those things that not everybody can appreciate is, is looking at everything from different angles. And you, you've been able to look at it from a ton of different angles. Um, maybe let's let's talk about a couple of things that people just don't know about you if if you were to sit down with someone somebody us well i mean we know you a little bit but we don't know you all that well yeah. if if someone were to sit down with you and say hey tell me three things that even some of my better Ooh. friends don't necessarily know about me three things that even some of my better friends don't know about me that's tough i always put them on the spot yeah. i'm putting them on the spot and was, that's on purpose i was a certified scuba diver when i was uh, 12 years old in mexico <laughs> 
What? Which, my, my mom, she took me, just took a written test, and they let me do open notes, so I was able to just get all the answers, and then, boom, took me on a dive, like, that day. It was awesome. Yeah, super cool experience. Um, let's see. I've traveled a whole lot. I've been to Belize, New Zealand, Europe, all over the United States, uh, Mexico. Um, yeah, I don't all over the world. Let's see. What's the third one? Um, I don't know if this is like, I don't know. I feel like everybody knows this, but I have size 16 feet. I don't know if that's like 16. Like you don't really hear that number too often. All right. Now, do you have to custom order your shoes? Oh then? yeah. No, I can't just walk Obviously in a store. Yeah. No way. No, <laughs> not available. Or unless I go to like Ross or something, they have like size 20. They, they do have weird like sizes. Yeah, you're you're right there. Yeah. It's 16. Yeah, I yeah, know. Did they have so. scuba flippers that were that big for <laughs> Oh, you? yeah. No, they were like, oh, he doesn't need flippers. He's good. He's just <laughs> let him go in the water. Now, now with, with, with feet that size, did you ever swim when you were younger, like uh, competitively, summer league, anything I, like Yeah, that? I did, actually. My mom threw me in because she saw that I had, like, the big feet, big hands. She was like, oh, my God, he's going to be an amazing swimmer. But, um, yeah, I just after two practices, I was like, Mom, like, I don't want to just stare at a black line all day. Like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm really bored, like, at practice, so – that was kind of the end of that dream. I feel personally attacked. No, I, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I didn't even mean it's, it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. <laughs> no, no, no don't, don't worry about it. No, I, I was a distance swimmer all my life, so staring at a black line was literally my job. Dude, so it's, it was just too <laughs> tough for me, man. I couldn't do it. Um, but, yeah, you know, that's so scuba diving at 12, that's impressive because even as a swimmer, I, I, I never – I don't have my scuba diving certification. That's something I'm actually looking into getting right now. Um, but – you know, a bunch of my friends have had it, but I don't think any of them ever had it that early at 12. That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, my mom is the main uh, inspiration behind that. She's been a scuba diver her entire life, and uh, she was just as soon as as soon as I was able to like know what scuba diving was, she just pushed me right in, threw me in the water. And so you're from Los Angeles, like you said, by the mm -hmm. beach. I'm sure, you grew up. Yeah, somewhat. yeah, yeah. Thirty minutes, yeah. About thirty minutes away from the beach. Okay. I'm in like the Valley area, Burbank, California. Yeah. Okay, so. Talk about coming to Gaffney, South Carolina. What were the challenges? What were the differences? What were your reactions? It's It was a complete culture shock coming out here. It's just – it's completely different. Like, no mountains. Like, it's just so many more trees, so much more greenery. Um, no, like, skyscrapers. It's just – it's it's a full 180, basically. And um, another big adjustment I had to make was, like, everybody is so nice here. Like, in California, you'll just be walking down the street. No one's, like, going to say a word about you. Everybody's just locked in on themselves. Everybody's just full of themselves pretty much. But you come out here, people will be like, hey, how you doing? How you doing, sweetie? Like, all this stuff. I'm like, okay, how you doing? Like, yeah, it's funny. funny it is an adjustment period. As I mentioned earlier, I'm from Vermont. I spent 18 years there. And then I went to college at Arizona State in Phoenix, Arizona, um, across the country, just like you. It was hard. I didn't know anybody. It was a culture shock. Like, it took a long time to get used to, and it wasn't easy. I wanted to go back home a lot of times. Like, did you have that same experience, or did you feel at home? Definitely. Uh, it definitely was a struggle at first, but um, I just want to give a shout-out to my friends, uh, Matthew Anatrella, Spencer Sandy Lloyd, Joshua Simpson, James Loftus even. But, yeah, those guys, I met those guys my first day of freshman year um, through volleyball, obviously. And um, ever since that day, we just clicked. I don't know. We just haven't really stopped hanging out with each other since. And they really made that transition so much easier. And, like, without them, I wouldn't be at this school for sure. Yeah, so Southern hospitality is definitely a real thing is what we've learned. <laughs> I can attest to that. Yeah, for real. I mean, I, I'm originally from Minnesota. We have a different kind of hospitality in the north. I mean, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, we don't we don't necessarily go Canadian. I apologize for everything, but it's close. <laughs> but you're but you're absolutely right. Moving here to the south, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, this whole area, it's definitely a uh, a little bit of a culture shock for some people because, you know, it's it's 
a place where people don't mind just talking to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, that you can you can run into somebody at uh, you know like Waffle House or something like that. There'll be a couple sitting across from you, and they'll start a strike up a conversation with you, and you're just trying to enjoy your hash browns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, it's it's crazy. So and you know, Jared, it's it's one of those things too where. Coming from California to Gaffney, obviously a huge drop in population from Los Angeles to Gaffney. Have you adjusted to the small town life at all? Um, I would say I have. I, I definitely would say I have. I kind of like the escape out here. Like being in California for like three, four months, I'm like, I get a little bit tired of it. I'm like, man, I kind of want to get back to Gaffney already. Like just get that little escape. It's it's kind of, it's really nice to be out here. And how do you describe it to your friends back home that have no idea? <laughs> Los Angeles is a little bit different. <laughs> I, I, I literally just like, I just, I'm just like, it's a, it's a culture shock. I always tell them that I'm like, it's a culture shock. And, um, it's an escape for me. I'd say, I say the same thing. I'm like, I just, I love being out there. I love living on my own. I love the freedom. That's the that's the biggest thing for me is I love the freedom being out here. All right, now the most hard-hitting question I've got for you today. Mm-hmm. Are you prepared? Mm-hmm. Approximately how many times a week do you go to Walmart? <laughs> Walmart. Man, I try to limit it as much as possible, but I'm going to give you I'm going to say two. I'm going to say at least two. That's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. I think I think when I was back in college here, uh, I, I was probably four or five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, sometimes you just can't sleep at night. 1030 oh, yeah. rolls around. Now, like, not right now due to COVID because they <laughs> close at 10. Yeah, I know. But, you know, 24-hour Walmart, you can mm. just go walk around at 11 o'clock at night, you know, <laughs> grab a little snack, grab a drink, something like that. Oh, yeah. And just, <laughs> just kind of lay back at night and enjoy yourself a little bit. But it's uh, – Different times now, different times. So just to kind of wrap up here, um, obviously a shortened season last year. Um, You get a full year back of of play. Your eligibility is back. You didn't waste anything from last year. Um, What kind of things are you guys carrying into the spring as a team or even just as you personally uh, when you're, you're looking for success out there on the court? Yeah, as a team, I mean, I hope we're looking for the same goal that we were looking for last year. I mean, last year we were, I think, three wins away from the school record. And we were going to – I think we were going to shatter the record, honestly. I think we would have gone over 20-plus wins. But that that being cut off really struck deep. We didn't even get to play our golden game either, which is a real – it hurt real bad. But, um, yeah, I mean, I hope we're going in with the same aspirations to just take down that record and win as many games as we possibly can and improve each day as a team. Yeah, you guys were 13-5. and five. You were – Three wins away, like you said, from the school record. You had nine games remaining. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the bulk of the conference schedule still left, but you were five and four already. Uh, a little bit of unfinished business. You guys were ranked fourth in the conference at the time the season ended. Like, you guys had a real shot. You were competitive. Yeah, I think – I honestly truly believe in my soul that we would have won conference that year because we – if you look at the standings and you look at the record, we had beaten the top th- – two out of the top three teams in conference, we'd beaten two of the top three – and um, that number one team was going to be our golden game. And I think the, the atmosphere, the crowd, and the pressure of the crowd would have taken that team down, and we would have we put, put us over the top. Yeah, you guys are back for – you have almost everyone returning. Mm-hmm. So you got the core, and it should be a fun year. Yeah, it should be a good year. Yeah, we're absolutely looking forward to, to getting you guys back out on the court, hopefully as soon as possible, um, and, and enjoying another, another crazy year of limestone men's volleyball. So, uh, Jarrett, we thank you again for hopping us on with us. You know, we're we're glad that you uh, chose Limestone here for your college career. And, uh, again, thank you for uh, letting us get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Had a, had a blast. So that'll do it here for episode number two of the Breaking the Rock podcast. Make sure that you tune in on all platforms. Again, we're available on golimestonesaints.com backslash podcast. 
available on Spotify and iTunes currently. Working on getting on Google Play and iHeartRadio right now. But again, for all news and notes on Limestone University Athletics, www.golimestonesaints.com.